all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Good morning. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Today we're talking about anxiety and depression and how it's on the rise. But I have a question for you. Are you feeling shell-shocked? Do you feel like every time you turn around there's another horrific incident? And why is it always, almost always men? Now, occasionally you'll hear about a woman who commits some violent act, but that's rare, honestly. Almost always men commit these terrible acts. But the rates of depression and anxiety um, are more common than women than men. Uh, about Women are about two times as likely to have depression and anxiety. Those rates are increasing. But my question to you is, what are we doing to our boys? What what are we not doing for our boys that perhaps make them grow into men who have mental illness, who have anger, who don't know any other way to act than the way that some of these individuals act? And that's not across the board. And... Um, in fairness, I brought in um, one of my favorite psychologists, who is a man, Dr. David Elkin. He is executive director of the Center for the Advancement of Youth with me there at UMMC. So welcome back, Dr. Elkin. Thanks for having me. So um, we want to talk about this and and perhaps this issue of, one, why depression and anxiety are on the rise, and then, two, what is going on that um, men, uh, we're seeing so many acts of violence, um, what is going on? And, and they're not... Um, just individual acts of violence for, you know, a one-on-one, but but this horrific, um, these horrific instances that that used to be uncommon, but not anymore. You used to feel safe if you weren't in areas with huge gatherings or like, you know, when when these issues were originally happening, um, I don't know about our listeners, but I know I thought, well, maybe we don't need to go to Times Square right now. Or maybe for the, you know, dropping of the ball. Or maybe we don't need to go to this world soccer event um, because we'll be safer if we don't. But that's really not the case anymore. And I'm not trying to scare our listeners. I just want you to 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 listen to some things that we're bring up today on this show and then I would love for you to weigh in and tell us what your thoughts are about why we are in the state in which we are and what can we do about it as individuals. Dr. Elkin and I have some ideas 
Um, but we'd love to hear from you. And um, as you come up with a thought, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to family at mpbonline dot org. So. Um, Dr. Elkin, um, right before the show, we were talking about the fact that uh, the World Health Organization um, back in 2004 said unipolar, that's regular depressive disorders, not bipolar disorder, were ranked as the third leading cause for the global burden of disease in 2004, they said that. But they said it would um, hit number one in 2030. Now, let's talk a little bit about what global burden of disease, because we know that hypertension, obesity, those are huge health issues. But, but let's talk a little bit about that global burden of disease. To you, um, what are they saying, um, the World Health, Health Organization? I think they're talking about more than just cost of treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when we think of health burden, as you know, we think of what does it cost to treat this disease? Is right. it heart disease or is it depression? I think they're also talking, as you were saying before the show, they're also talking about lost days at work, right. uh, lost productivity at work. Um, it's a broader swath, if you will. Right. Family function, mm-hmm. what's going on at home, how are you supporting your family, um, not just financially, but also mentally and emotionally, which is such a hugely important area. And as I was thinking through all this, I um, I really wanted us to talk a little bit about a psychologist who, who died back in, I think, 1970, Abraham Maslow. He, he wrote um, pretty extensively about the hierarchy of needs. And I wonder, as I think about Maslow and his hierarchy of needs, whether or not Part of our issue is that we're not meeting those needs. So let's talk just for a minute um, about that hierarchy of needs. Now, he starts things, and it's kind of like a pyramid. Listeners, if you'll visualize this. So you have a pyramid, kind of like the food pyramid that you've seen in the past. (laughs) Um, But at the bottom which is the most important, of course. And this this is world needs, not just U.S. needs. So there are physiologic needs at the base of that pyramid. And those physiologic needs are like air, water, food, um, any kind of metabolic requirement, the things that we need. Also in that, clothing, shelter. Um, so protection, those basic Um, physiologic needs. Human sexuality also falls in there. Um, And then after that, that's the bottom, those physiologic needs. So you have to have food. You have to be able to eat to survive, right? So then the next one is safety, feeling safe and secure. So personal personal security, financial security, um, and uh, you know, general health well-being, just feeling good, feeling safe, feeling that you're not in danger all the time. And 
I think last time you were here, Dr. Elkin, we talked about that anxiety, that low-grade fight-or-flight phenomena that so many times is so bad for you. So what Maslow said is that, you know, if you have that feeling of safety, you don't kick into that fight-or-flight. So you're not raising your blood pressure, your heart rate being bad for your health. Okay, then up, the third one is social belonging. So after your physiological needs, that food and water, and then your safety needs are fulfilled, the third human need is just having, feeling like you belong, that social belonging. Um, And then, and and according to Maslow, the, the need to feel a sense of belonging and acceptance among not just your family, but social groups, large or small, um, are really important. And so um, some people may then, um, if they don't have a place of belonging, may if they don't have that family or that other social or that sports team or that music group or that dance group, they may turn to gangs. And so maybe that's one area we're going wrong. Okay, keep listening. So we've got physiologic needs, we've got safety, we've got social um, feeling like you're apart, and then self-esteem. So um, do you feel worth something? Do you, what do you think about yourself? That's another really important way to be able to get to that top of the pyramid. So you've got to have self-esteem. And then we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. And then the final is that, that self-actualization where you become what you can be when you have all of that at the very, from the bottom to the top that has um, been accomplished for you. So if you feel inferior, then you're not going to accomplish what you might be able to accomplish if you feel like, if you've got that can-do attitude, if you believe in yourself. And then um, Maslow just says, then, you know, then you become everything um, at the very top. He calls it transcendence, um, refers to the very highest uh, level of human consciousness. And that's when you can do all this fabulous, wonderful stuff. So I guess my question to you, Dr. Elkin, and to our listening audience, um, I believe in Maslow's theories. I think you've got to have the, the basic needs to be able to get to the top. So where is our disruption? What is going on? Why are we having more violence and more depression and more anxiety and more violent acts? What is going on that's interrupting this? Do you have some thoughts? It's a good question. And I think that one of the things to consider is perhaps somewhere along the way, something is not being met. We think of ourselves as living in a society and a culture, the United States, that is fulfilling all of those things for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And perhaps for some people, as you alluded, uh, they're, they're missing a step in there somewhere. Um, it also works in the reverse way. So I had a colleague um, who would do medical uh, missionary work in um, Africa. And he would joke with me and say, what they need over there is psychology. I said, no, what they need is clean water. 
So you, you know, you don't jump ahead before you've met some of these needs. But I think with some of these individuals, perhaps we're missing some of the steps in there. They may have water, but they may not be belonging. Yeah. Uh, they may be isolated. Yeah. So, listeners, we'd like to hear from you about your thoughts on where do you think the disruption in our basic needs are? Why do you think that it's mostly men who commit these violent acts? Give us a call with your thoughts at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send us an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm here with Dr. David Elkin. I'm Susan Buttress, and we'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Dr. David Elkin. And and today we're talking about something tough, the increase in depression and anxiety and why, but the fact that more women than men are likely to have depression and anxiety, it's about twice as likely in women as men, if we're identifying it correctly, Um, yet a lot of the violent, aggressive acts that have been committed in the last, even if we just look at this year, have been created by men. So what's going on? So um, let's go on to the phones. We have um, Gary somewhere in Mississippi with a comment. Good morning, Gary. Thanks for calling in and starting us off. Uh, yes, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I was that pyramid, the theory. Yes. And uh, I like everything I heard you tell about the steps up to it. But somewhere along the line, our men have lost spirituality, Christian, I mean, a Christian background. I think that's very. Uh, it ought to be Christian, but something to believe in that you don't want to do anything to another person that you don't want done to yourself. And it's been left out, so there's no evolution in it, and it's just missing in our culture. You know, black and white men right there, they just forgotten, you know. As provides right there, along the way when something goes wrong, you got nothing to fall back on. I was raised in a Christian home. And that was necessary for me to make it through a lot of times. And I love the pyramid theory, but that's got to be thrown as some a spirituality, yeah. Yeah. personality, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Well, Gary, thanks for your call. And I think the spirituality um, and and feeling feeling something higher, better, um, is is certainly not just in the Christian religion, but in in if you if you look at most religions, you really are supposed to do good and be good. Um, the The issue is not to to do harm, and so that 
that point that you're making is a good one. Dr. Elkin, I know you have probably something to say along these lines, too. Yeah, I think that, um, Gary, good point about the um, pyramids. I think that that uh, spirituality aspect is included in there, um, like the third level. Right, third belonging. level of belonging. Yeah, so yeah. you nailed it, man. Um, you know, when you don't teach people that they belong essentially to each other, and then we're here to look out for each other and take care of each other, regardless of who you are, regardless of the color of your skin or male or female, if you don't teach people that, then we, we have a breakdown. As Dr. Butch was saying earlier, that may be one of the, maybe one of the breakdowns. Yeah. Thanks, Gary, for your thoughts on that one. Um, let's stay on the phones. We have Elliot in Hattiesburg. Good morning, Elliot. You've Good got morning. another comment? Yes. I, you know, I've, you were talking about a lot of the shootings happening, and they're usually by men and I don't know if I have all the answers. Um, I mean, I, I would say, you know, perhaps a sense of belonging has something to do with it. And there's probably many factors that contribute to that. You know, uh, one thing could be the economy, too. You know, as the years have gone by and things are getting hard. And I know a lot of men have gotten hit pretty hard by the economy, you know, and, and getting used to things changing in the workplace, you know, um, and so that might be a hard adjustment for many to make. Um, it, um, it's just, and it, I'll say this too, um, in some ways too, it's our society with a lot of electronics and electricity, all those, those things are good. In many ways, it's kind of atomized our population. You know, people have turned inward, and uh, a lot of times there's not quite the social things that help get people together and at least get them socializing and so we, we end up being isolated and um, and unfortunately too on a lot in a lot of our media there's a lot of um, political um, I guess biting remarks there's a lot of uh, you know the, this candidate versus that candidate and uh, that further divides our society a lot too so it's hard to know where we belong you know who's on our side wow <laughs> i don't know i don't know if that puts it in a nutshell but it kind of does it it really does i think you you just had a point that i think is a very good one it's sometimes difficult to know where you do belong um i, I know i've talked to several um individuals friends of mine who even from a political party standpoint um who don't know where they belong they feel like they don't fit because they feel like there's so much meanness and um um, difficulty in in both, and um, nobody's getting along with anybody. It, that's the way it feels. Now, certainly, if you're lucky enough to have a loving family, um, or to have a wonderful group of friends who are um, supportive and accepting, uh, many times that can sort of supplant those feelings of hopelessness. But but Elliot. Um, if you have someone who's struggling financially, who then also doesn't have any um, nurturing support, um, you could end up in a, a feeling of hopeless and helplessness. My question, back to everyone, <laughs> uh, is, is so, why if you feel hopeless and helpless, 
um, do you then turn that into anger and turn it around on others? Now, Elliot mentioned something about media, and Dr. Elkin, maybe you you wanted to say a little something about, you know, we we love the media. I'm on the radio. I do it because I love it and I believe in it. But at the same time, there's something that's changed about our media that you were mentioning at the break. Yes, um, and Elliot brought it up as well. Um, it seems that in our 24-hour news cycle now, we have instant access to things not only here uh, in our state and around the country, but around the world. And so we are able to see horrifying scenes um, immediately. Um, And for some folks, that can be um, a way to sort of give them an idea. Um, We talked about this about a month ago, I think, Dr. Yeah, you were here on this show after the Las Vegas incident. Right. We talked about how a lot of the school shootings, you know, they they come in uh, batches and ways because people go, oh, yeah, they're getting a lot of attention for that. I think I'll do it. I don't want to blame the media. Like you said, the media is a good thing. It's a neutral tool. But at the same time, um, perhaps people get ideas of how they can act out from what they see on TV, which is unfortunate. It is. It's sad. Elliot, thanks for your call. We appreciate you for listening and calling in and weighing in. Um, Let's go next to Sharon. You've been patiently waiting in Meridian. You have a comment about this issue, too. Um, I do. One comment I have is I work with animal cruelty, so I'm not always, but most often in poverty-stricken neighborhoods. And then I find the children there. And um, I try to help the children, but what I mostly see is there's a mother or there's a grandmother involved with the children. But often there's no man. There's not a man around to take care of the kids or to take them fishing or to give them guidance. I, I see that, and I also see that with our media that I do see that there is, with the commentators and with the, the two parties split as they are, that there is so much <clears throat> hate. Um, just really preach, you know, that it is dividing our nation. It's dividing the rich against the poor. And um, I'm a Christian. I go to, to church, and um, I do believe somebody needs to have some faith, but, but and, it, and it, I don't know what I would do without it, but no one belongs. They, I, I met a homeless man, and he chose to live with a bunch of um, junkies. Um, he could have stayed at home way out in the country, isolated with his mother, but because he felt like he had friends, and he was not a junkie, he chose to live in this rat-infested trailer because he felt like he belonged. He had someone there with him. Mm-hmm. So those were my comments. Is the lack of men that I see and the children that are growing up in the last couple of three generations and um, and the poverty and the way that our some of our media, some of our commentators just seem to breed hate against the poor people. Uh, good comments, Sharon. You you said several excellent things in that sometimes it's not the media as much as what is said by the particular media on um, an almost delighting in um, the the negative and that's that's a mean word for me to say delight but um, it almost seems I was listening to an interview this morning on CBS I love watching CBS news but um, one one of the um, the news uh, people 
um, just started pushing hard about, um, but you did blah, and you are this, and you are that. And I, I thought it was, um, instead of being that neutral Walter Cronkite type, I'm showing my age here, um, person, it was, it was trying to drive things into more negative um, than even what the individual was saying. So um, I think we've got we've got to stand up against that at some point. Um, now, not having men, Dr. Elkin, you're a you're a father of um, young women, and you've been very involved with them. I know that my husband has been very involved with our children, and and I do believe that's important. But there's so many single parents out there who are struggling. Um, we don't want women out there who are grand, mothers or grandmothers who are trying to raise kids and do the right thing. How can get, we get beyond that? What can we do? I think Sharon uh, connected the dots very well when she said that um, in impoverished neighborhoods, oftentimes you don't see male figures around. So I think that the connection there is one of poverty. Um, not always, but oftentimes is one of poverty. So fathers are elsewhere seeking employment or they're just not around because poverty is such a um, a bad place. Elliot mentioned this, you know, it, I think it's hard on the male ego to not be able to provide for your family. And so if you can't, then perhaps some of these men just check out. Yeah. Um, and I think that both the comments by Sharon and Elliot taken together are onto something here. Yeah. Yeah. And why, uh, well, let me put this out there. Why is the burden always on men? Do men feel more burdened to be the responsible? I know in the South, sometimes I hear a lot of that. Uh, I, I think, especially in our area of the country, many times it's sort of the expectation that men are supposed to be the sole support of the family, even in a dual working household. Um, it, I, I think there's a, a burden placed on men sometimes instead of a partnership. And I'm saying that as a woman because I've I've looked at it before. So um, sometimes maybe that burden is so great that that people turn away. I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. I don't know the answer to it. Yeah. Okay, before we go to our next break, I want to go to um, Tommy, who's been patiently waiting in Tupelo. Tommy, you have some thoughts about this? Yeah, actually about just what you were just saying. Um, it's a, definitely a multifaceted issue that you all are addressing and a really important one today. And I do think it, you know, some great points have been made. I was just thinking about um, the gender roles and how a lot of times it's expressed that, you know, we've gotten away from the past and need to go back to the past or the way we used to do things or the way things worked before. And I view it a lot differently. I think that, you know, we're progressing and we're, you know, learning and realizing that women don't fit into a specific, you know, box and that men don't always fit into a specific box. And so, you know, we're making more room for men to, you know, be individuals and for some men to take this role, some men to take a different role, some women take, you know, it's not so specific. And that's, you know, a good thing. Um, but also there's, you know, a lot of it there's you don't get from point a to point b you know smoothly and elegantly you know there's a lot and i think that right now what's happening with a lot of men is that in the past men have 
been expected to not show a lot of emotion and to be strong and to handle, you know, all the affairs and women are supposed to be, you know, at home and nurturing and and they're the ones that have all the emotions. And even in the way that, you know, women used to be, I think a lot of um, women used to be diagnosed for things that were actually just having normal human emotions, you know, and and doctors made that something that needed to be medicated. And so we've come a long way in realizing that, you know, women are come in lots of different personalities with lots of different strengths and, and, um, and gifts to give. And men come in lots of different ways with lots of different strengths and, and gifts to give. And, and it's just making room for that in our society and make and normalizing that people need to be who they are instead of being, you know, fitting into some norm. And that is, I think, a big thing that gets in the way of people fitting in sometimes or, or um, feeling like they belong, which is a big part of, um, you know, the isolation thing that causes, you know, bad things to happen. I also want to say that outside of that, the shame around mental illness and um, the treatment of mental illness that is still widespread, especially I grew up in the South, especially in the South, um, is a big barrier to people getting the help they need. And I think that goes double for men because men, you know, uh, historically are not supposed to have weaknesses and problems. And so, um, you know, that makes it doubly hard for men to get help with mental issues and emotional issues. Um, and, you know, they're just as likely to have them as women are. And so that's just what your comments were making me think about. Yeah. Wow. Lots of wonderful thoughts. And I I love your I want to come back to the men and women in mental illness with Dr. Elkin. But, Tommy, I loved your comments about um, the fact that for so, so many years we've tried to put men and women in a box as to what they're supposed to be. And there are all kinds of different flavors and um, that that men and women come in. And it's it's uh, probably one of the reasons so many people get so very anxious and or depressed is that they know they don't fit in that box that in and which so they feel like something's wrong with them. Exactly. Something wrong with the system that they happen to have been born into. Exactly. So to be, if we as a society could be more accepting and right. to love people for who they are and care about them for who they are and what they are and not, not why they're like that, just because they are and right. to allow it. I and think. I think that's what a lot of people hear. You know, I agree there's a lot of division and, you know, I'm I'm on the more progressive side of things, I would imagine, based on, you know, than a lot of the people that I grew up with. But I um but I also don't want to, you know, think that I'm better than somebody else because of my thought process or where I, where I am or what my thinking is. And I also, you know, I think that we tend to that's why I've kind of bristle at the taking things back to when they were good or whatever, you know, and creating that divide of you know i think we can be progress we can progress we are progressing we are evolving whether we say we are or not and we can utilize you know the good things from the past and the good things that have always been you know like it's great for children to have female and male role models and that's the thing that's been true always and it's true now and just because families look different and they're not always 
you know, Warden June Cleaver doesn't mean that that's not still <laughs> true, but right. the way to get that is not necessarily going back to being Warden June Cleaver. It's just realizing that that's important for children to have male and female role models and finding new and creative ways to do that. For right. Whatever the situation calls for. Wonderful words, Tommy. When we get back after our next break, I want us to follow up on one other thing that Tommy said about um, the mental illness issue. Uh, today we're talking about depression, anxiety. This is Relatively Speaking. We want to hear from you. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Dr. David Elkin. And today we're talking about depression, anxiety, differences in men and women, What's going on? Why do does it seem that men almost exclusively commit the mass violent acts that have been going on? So before the break, we had our caller, Tommy, who had lots of good thoughts, um, but we didn't finish up on one that I want us to get to, and that is our mental are are those mental disorders that we're talking about, depression and anxiety, really more common in women than men? Or do men just don't admit that they're depressed or anxious? They don't ask for help. In fact, they don't want anybody to know. Dr. Elkin, what's your what's your thought on this? Well, I think it's been a national um, uh, search, in a sense, to get men to, uh, to look more about their own hearts and feelings on depression. But, you know, several years ago, many decades ago, there was a theory that has been relatively discredited, but there's still some truth to it, that um, depression, anxiety may be higher in females, but substance use and abuse tends to be higher in males. And the theory is that it's the common theme driving this. Um, It's how you cope with it that shows a difference between the gender. So females... It was thought uh, back in the 70s, 80s, tend to turn inward, depression. Males tend to turn outward. So we, we get violent, we, we drink, we you know, get in fights, that kind of stuff. Now, again, that's not always true. Um, but it's one of those things to think about. I think it has to do with how males and females are made and also how we're socialized, both. Yeah. And how we, we handle uh, distress in a global sense and how we sort of face it. Um, but, yes, I think there are gender differences. But I also think that males, we're taught. I mean, I was raised by a psychologist, but I, you know, I don't know where I came up with the idea that you just tough it out, son. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So even, even excellent psychologists like your father sometimes raise boys and girls a little differently. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, I love your dad, by the way. <laughs> I do, too. Listen, Daddy, I still love you. <laughs> um, let's go back to the phones. We have, uh, is it Wing in Tishomingo? 
Yes, I'm here. Yes, hi. Thanks for calling. Tell us what your thoughts are. Okay, well, I've got quite a few, and I hope you have uh, <laughs> you have time, and what they are is they're just a bunch of questions. Okay. Although I have, uh, you know, including, uh, you know, a few observations, but uh, who knows? Might be just crazy, but, uh, you know, here goes. At any rate, first of all, uh, you know, I'd like to... Uh, Address the fact that uh, despite, you know, a few thousand years of socialization, that we're still basically a Paleolithic um, organism as people. Uh, the question that I'd like to bring to mind is, are emotions in themselves a form of mental illness? I'm, I'm wondering about that. Uh, you know, this, it goes beyond, I think, the, uh, the, uh, the difference between estrogen and testosterone. Um, we've been trying to deal with uh, with the same situations, uh, this thing between being half primitive and uh, half civilized, you know, for a long time. And we've tried we've tried uh, dealing with it with uh, with armies in the Roman times, and with uh, you know, starting in the Middle Ages with uh, with uh, police departments and uh, uh, things of that sort. Um, and what. Uh, I hope I can link all these thoughts together somehow. Uh, it sounds I, like you know, I hear what you're saying, Wing. Let let me stop you there just for a minute. Um, we have some other callers, and I want to make sure that we get to everyone. But um, a, a couple of things that I'm hearing you say already, I, I wanted to address one of those questions. Are emotions mental illness. Um, if you look at the human brain, um, and those who listen to this show know that I love talking about the different areas of the brain, but um, we we all have an amygdala, some bigger than others, some smaller than others. We, we know that individuals who um, fall on the spectrum of autism spectrum disorder tend to have maybe um, less emotional uh, reaction to some things, perhaps. Um, we also know that there's some individuals with other forms of disorders have more or less um, emotional reaction. Women tend to, um, I guess, um, by history, have maybe um, slightly more sensitive and emotional than men. Um, but all those, like one of our earlier callers said, um, vary greatly between different women and different men. And so, no, first of all, being emotional is not a mental illness. I want everybody to know that that's not not um, true at all. But um, to, to the way one handles their feelings can be very wrong and inappropriate and and we do a lot of therapy right dr elkin for individuals who have anger management issues or other issues right correct wing raises a good point i think about emotional regulation you know mm -hmm. the ability to regulate our emotions is perhaps one of the the first sentinel events of some sort of mental health disorder can you calm yourself down when you're angry um, can you make yourself happy when you're sad? Uh, all those things. You're exactly right to regulate those emotions is very key. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a 
appreciate your call, Wing. I think let's let's move to our next caller so we can get everybody in before the end of the show. I really appreciate your thoughts, and we can go further with that, and I'd love for you to send us an email if you have further comments. Um, let's go to Rick in Biloxi. Yes, ma'am. Hi, Rick. What you got to say about? Well, I, you know, it's. I think the the spectrum of people's ideas that uh, have come to you indicate the complexity of the of the problem of uh, these mass shootings and things of that nature. And and uh, you know, I I can't identify. Uh, with that, as I enlisted in the Marine Corps, went to Vietnam, got my Purple Heart, came home, and I tell you what, PSTD was the last thing on my mind. I was the happiest guy in the world when I got back here. But, I, you know, as I say, there's some things that I can't identify with, and my point, I guess, is that uh, somehow in American society, it seems to have become acceptable to a large number of people, admittedly with probably psychological issues, that if you feel slighted in some way, whether it's loss of a job, breakup of a relationship, or what have you, then somehow you're justified in going out and and slaughtering people that you don't even know and who would probably be friends of yours if if given a chance and you know i i don't know you see a lot of radical uh uh killing in in europe but most of the of the uh disasters that occur here starting with timothy mcveigh go back to uh homegrown uh americans i mean it's Mm -hmm. It it just seems to have become acceptable to take out your frustrations by, you know, unforgivable acts of violence. Right. It used to be that people expected, yeah, I'm, I may lose a job. I may suffer a, a divorce or a breakup of a relationship. But it was accepted and you moved on. And now, for some reason, it seems that people can't get over that sort of thing. Yeah, I hear you, Rick. And and I um, I think that acceptable um, may not be the word we mean, um, but it's it's one of those acts that just keeps it. It seems a path that people think perhaps they should take when they've been wronged. And and the question is, why? Why why in the world would that be a way to deal with something is my question. I don't know, Dr. Elkin, any thoughts on that? So, uh, you know, speaking here as a psychologist and as a yeah. behaviorist, I'd say, well, you get reinforced for it. Um, yeah. They get a lot of reinforcement. They see a lot of um, attention being paid to individuals who behave this way. Um, he mentioned, Rick mentioned, um, you know, Timothy McVeigh, and you kind of go, hmm, that's an option. He got a lot of press time for that, a lot of camera time. I think I'll do it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's more to it than that, obviously, sure. you know, but I just I'd, I think that there's something to be said there. Um, but 
I think it's such a complex situation. It is. It is. You know, and certainly I would think that there, and and I think I said this on air last time, and I, I guess I wonder even if this is appropriate on air, but, you know, there have been people who who are so upset and so lost that they want to die and so maybe they know that they'll die in this blaze of whatever glory or um, I don't know maybe it doesn't matter any you know we tell parents any attention is better than no attention at all and um, so that's why we tell parents to be careful about giving attention a lot of attention to bad behavior and here we're doing it to adults so I don't know Hopefully not accepted. Hopefully people will get to the point where they realize this is not the way to go. And that we will support treatment of mental illness better. John's been very patient and somewhere in Mississippi. John, you have a comment? Oh, yes. I was just listening to you all talking about uh, mental health and all of that. I'm a Korean veteran, and I spent two and a half years in the VA mental hospital in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and I grew up in Appalachia in the mountains, and no father, no mother, anything, and I've gotten along with a lot of people, so I had a mental issue, and I don't understand why people can't love one another, because I live with, with the white peoples and Indians, and they helped me a whole lot. Of course, I didn't get no book learning, but I just give up in life because I just felt like that nobody cared, you know. But I just I stayed to myself. I didn't bother nobody. And if you ever been to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, I was the one that sat out in the woods with the dog and the deer and the bear. Oh, wow. So, John, are you, do you feel like you belong now? No, I'm, I'm still alone. You know, I don't, uh, you know, I just, I just be to myself. I goes back and forth to the VA hospital. I'm under mental condition now, you know, because I don't have that many friends. I didn't have brothers and sisters because I grew up alone. Didn't know who I was or where I came from. And I was 35 years old when I found out really that I was born on the Indian reservation. Yeah. Yeah. John, I, we know I'm glad you're seeking help. You're going to the VA. That's the right thing to do. Um, I would encourage you, I know there's support groups out there. Um, I would encourage you to join one of the support groups to reach out. There are people out there who would love to to be your friend, I'm sure you have some amazing stories that people would love to hear. So um, reach out to the VA and ask them what type of uh, support groups might be there. And by the way, to both you, um, you, John, and to Rick, our previous caller, thank you so much for your service. I, we all so much appreciate that. Yeah. So thank you, John. Thanks for your call. Um, we're going to stay on the phone, so let's go to Sam in Jackson. Sam, thanks for your call. What have you got to say about this topic? Uh, well, there's a lot of things that I could say, but I'm not, I'm not going to get into all those deep issues. But uh, what I think the problem is to, uh, today with men and women is women expect too much of men. And like you were saying earlier, you know, they don't want to share. Okay, like... When women, when they were little girls, they, they, we spoiled them. We men spoiled them. When they were little girls, people would always give them a dollar or some change. Oh, she's such a cute little girl. And so 
they get burned to their, into their brain. They get conditioned that men are supposed to give them money and stuff, you know, and they, and they grow up like that. And uh, no matter how much money that woman is making, she <laughs> that man to pay all the bills and, and groceries and stuff like that and everything, and, and she might make more money than him. Pay for dinners. Yeah. Dr. Elkin, what? what do you have to say about that? Well, as a father of daughters, <laughs> I can assure you, my friend, that my girls have to work and they have to earn that money. Don't you worry. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think um, some of your comments, I'll say it because I'm a woman. Um, you know, I really did grow up thinking when we went out to dinner, a man was supposed to pay for it. Every time, it didn't matter if I was um, also employed or not. And I, I do think that's changing now. I really do, um, for the positive. And, and I, I'm one of those people who believes in, in sharing and being equal partners. So, so hopefully, Sam, things are, are changing there. Thanks for your call. We're going to go to one more caller. We have Scotty in Tennessee who has some comments. Thanks for calling, Scotty. Hey, thank you. I uh, just want to make one quick point. Um, so for the last 100,000 years or so, however long humans have been around, uh, we lived in a tribal system, you know, small, tight-knit communities uh, where everyone cared about everyone. Let's say there's 100 people, you know. Uh, every every man would have been a father. Every um, woman would have been a mother to every child. And you just don't have that anymore. Um but I think that's uh, that's one big problem. We've just kind of we've kind of gone out of touch with the way we were evolved to live in in small, tight knit communities where everyone cares about everyone else and everyone's family. You know, Scotty, you're you're basically saying that village helped to raise um, the child, and and uh, you know we were just talking not too long ago about living in a small town and how you never dare do anything because your mother would find find out about it before you got home, um, and and there's some real truth into the fact that that now unfortunately we don't have the support systems our um, our single parents don't have the, that village helping them raise those kids, right, Dr. Elkin? Exactly. Larger cities, you don't know your neighbors, that kind of stuff. I mean, I think that he raises a good point about um, how we're, we're, I think, hardwired, perhaps, to look out for each other on a smaller level. And um, we lose some of that ability, perhaps, when we get in large groups. That Again, that sense of belonging. Maslow that, stuff. Yeah, the Yeah, Abraham Maslow. Hey, guys, I, uh, thanks for your call, Scotty. And I just want to tell everybody there's some there's some great podcast um, uh, and TED talks on this very thing. If you go to MPB um, online.org, you can pick those up. If you want to hear this show again, you can go and um, to mpbonline.org and dial in this date. We'd love for you to listen again. Um, today's show was engineered by our producer, Jay White. Our call screener was Race Mary. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress here with Dr. David Elkin. Thank you, Dr. Elkin. I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking. And, and stay tuned now for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio. Thanks to all of our callers.
This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. 